Hello, everybody. Before we jump into today's episode, we have two sponsors we want to say thank you to for supporting this show. The first one is Routine. You guys have heard me talk about Routine, honestly, back from the early days of the podcast, and it's still a product I use every single morning. They have a prompt for me here. I'm going to do a little impromptu on this ad read today because, honestly, this is a product that I truly believe in, and so I'm, going to, I'm just going to tell you guys exactly what I think and why. First and foremost, um, this is a stat that they shared, but when you sleep, you lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, and most of that's just sweating while you sleep. Um, I used to not know if that was actually true, to be honest. I felt like a pound to a pound and a half of water seemed like quite a bit while I slept. But the one thing I did constantly pay attention to when I started using a routine was just the fact that before using a routine, I always felt a little dehydrated in the morning. And and I'm one of those people that when I get up, I get up really early usually. I work out. One of the, one of the first things I do is some form of fitness. It's just like what I do before everyone's awake. And so it's very easy for me to grab a coffee, you know, pre-workout, an energy drink, something with caffeine in it, and just go. When I am good about using routine first, I basically take, they come in these little single serve packets. Um, they contain half an organic lemon, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and they have no sugar in them at all. A lot of hydration products are going to have sugar. So one of the things routine one of the things about routine that I love is that there's no sugar in there. Um, so when I am good about doing this consistently, I will take one of those single serve packets, I'll throw it in my mixer bottle. And whether I also put in a pre-workout or something with caffeine, or I just drink that separately, I try to drink that first. And the days I do that, I do genuinely feel hydrated and just have a different form of clarity all morning. A lot of people have tried to make their own homemade versions of routine, right? You see people making they take an, a, a shot of the apple cider vinegar and they put a little sea salt, a little lemon in a drink. This is essentially that, but in a product that you can take with you on the go, have it ready for you first thing in the morning. I know me personally, when I'm groggy rolling out of bed, the last thing I want to do is you know squeeze a lemon, cut lemons up, go get the apple cider vinegar, find my sea salt. I just rip this packet open, throw it in my water, drink it, and it's good to go. You can try yours today. If you haven't tried it yet and you've been listening to this podcast for years, just try the damn routine. Give it a shot. You can use code ShaneWhite30 and get 30% off your first order. So you get 30% off by using code ShaneWhite30 and go to yourroutine.com. To make it even easier, I've added the link to yourroutine.com in the show notes. So just click on the show notes for this episode. Click on the link to yourroutine.com and don't forget to use code ShaneWhite30. All right, guys. Today's episode is also brought to you by to you. It's brought to you by NeuroRoast. Again, I'm going to go a little off script here. NeuroRoast is a product that I also came across during this year of 2023. They are a, a coffee brand, coffee company that's helping you optimize your brain function and overall well-being. This is another product that, to be honest with you, when I first started working with it, I was a little on the fence. I was like, do I really want to have mushrooms in my coffee? Well, folks, I will tell you when I use NeuroRoast, one of the things that has stood out to me the most is in, well, I'll back up. People that know me know that I have way too much caffeine, typically. One of the things this year I've done a good job of is cutting out alcohol. Not completely, but predominantly, I don't touch a lot of alcohol anymore. What I think I've actually done the other way, though, is added a lot more caffeine. So I do, I do definitely drink too much caffeine. That's something I need to work on next year is to try to minimize how much of that, but NeuroRoast is something that has actually helped me. Because of the way they've formulated their coffee, like unlike regular coffee, which is you know still something I consume, but NeuroRoast specifically um, doesn't cause jitters or crashes. Mushroom coffee provides a more balanced and sustained energy, allowing you to stay focused and productive throughout the day. So the times I do use NeuroRoast, I'll be honest, I, I just don't feel that jittery, like I'm jumping out of my chair or standing here at my desk, jumping around feeling. So give NeuroRoast a try. They have some really good flavors. I'll be honest too, the two guys that started NeuroRoast are just really good, really good dudes based out of New York and uh, they're hustling and, and hopefully they can, they can get some people to try NeuroRoast this holiday season um, by listening to this podcast. So for you folks who've been on the fence, I'm telling you, it tastes delicious. They've done a fantastic job of making this coffee not only be functional, but taste fantastic. And if you want to try NeuroRoast, you can use code Shane White. So it's super simple. Just Shane White at checkout. Um, 
you'll also get 30% off. So if you go to neurorose.com, and once again, I have added that to the show notes. So just click into the show notes while you're listening to this episode, you can click on neurorose link directly. Don't forget to use code just Shane white, and you'll get 30% off your order. Um, hope you guys love both these products. I'm trying to not only bring you guys products that I use, but that I believe in on the podcast. Um, I'm not taking ad reads for any brands that I don't really believe in. So anyway, hope you guys love both those products, yourroutine.com and neurorose.com. I've added those links to the show notes. I uh, hope you guys love it. And I got an awesome guest coming up right after this. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Shane White Show. I know I say this a lot, but today I am truly fired up. I have two legends on the podcast today, two people who I gave them a little hint before I hit record, but truthfully want to start this off by just saying thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. I, I give a lot of my recent progress, success, things that have gotten off the ground with business to the tool that you guys created, and I openly talk about it on here. I talk about it with friends and family. And so I just want to start it off by even before I introduce you guys, just saying thank you, because um, I tried a lot of things for a long time and it did nothing worked. And then I got the full focus planner and it's like such a, a central part of my life. So anyway, I just want to say thank you. Um, without thank further you. ado, though, Megan and Michael Hyatt, thank you for both coming on the show today. Thanks for having us, Shane. This is so Glad fun to be, to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I it was one of those you guys were those guests that I've had on my list funny enough for a while, like I need to reach out and see if I can get them on. And I was so pumped to get you both. So for everyone Sorry. listening. Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is one that's really exciting for me. So for everyone listening. Um, I, like I said, before you started, I started most people at this point probably have at least heard of the full focus planner from me that listen to this podcast. But for people who don't, would you both mind giving just a little bit of an intro to you and the brand? Yes. Well, we created the Full Focus Planner in 2017, and it was after I'd written two kind of seminal books in terms of our brand. One was Your Best Year Ever, and the second book was Free to Focus. And those are books that kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly. They're two, or to mix the metaphor, they're two halves of the same coin. So one is about goal achievement, your best year ever. The other one is about productivity, free to focus. And we said, if we only had a tool, that would enable people to take the concepts in those two books and actually apply them on a daily basis. And that gave birth to the Full Focus Planner. And at the time, this is kind of a funny story. I wasn't excited about it because I didn't want to be back in publishing. I'd spent my entire career in book publishing. And there were a lot of things I didn't like about publishing, not the least of which is you end up with a lot of money tied up in inventory. So um, I said to our team, I said, if we can sell 10,000 copies, if you're pretty confident, I'm willing to do it. And so they said, yeah, we think we can sell 10,000. Well, to date, we've sold almost 1.5 million copies of it. So, so it's crazy. been an enormous <laughs> success and it really struck a nerve. And Megan, what about you? Do you want to give a little, a little additional? Because that's incredible, Michael. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I think what we heard a lot from our audience was that people were not necessarily achieving their goals because they lost visibility on them. You know, it's like they, they went through our best year ever process at the beginning of the year. They loved it. They got clear about, you know, what had happened the previous year. They got excited about what was to come and had, had a set of annual goals. But it was kind of like when the rubber met the road and when, when the enthusiasm of the first couple of weeks of January blew off the back, people were losing track of those goals because, you know, life. Uh, I have five kids and I intimately relate to that because there's so many things you're just doing on a daily basis. And so we said, well, how can we help people to integrate their pursuit of goal achievement, not just goal setting, but actually the process of achieving goals into kind of a daily operating system that will enable them to focus on what's truly most important and so that is, that was really the genesis of the full focus planner. And over time, you know, what, what we got clear on was the fact that our mission at full focus is to help make it nearly impossible for people not to get the double win. I mean, we don't just want to help people get the double win. We want to help it make it nearly impossible. And the double win means winning at work and succeeding at life. You know, we're just really against that whole 
hustle culture idea that, you know, sure, you can be successful at business, but it's going to require your undivided attention. You're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices personally. We were like, no, we don't, we don't buy into that. We want to do this differently. And so part of what we're, we're hopeful about and we teach people is how to set goals in all areas of their life and then prioritize the things that matter most um, using the full focus planner. So they have the margin for the stuff that's most important and not just an endless to-do list that makes you feel overwhelmed every time you look at it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love that. The double win is one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you guys about because I do think it's something that differentiates full focus and the whole mentality as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely was a person who fell into that culture, the hustle culture a little bit before I found you guys. When I remember when one of my good buddies, who I'll give a shout out in here, Danny Bayless gave me, he showed me the full focus planner for the first time. And I think it was probably 2018, 2019. So it was pretty early on when you wow. guys came out and he showed it to me. And I remember at the time I was working at a, a startup food brand in the city, very fast culture. We all loved what we were doing. So we were working, it seemed like around the clock for, you know, everyone was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and a part of that. Um, you know, I was new into being married, no kids yet. So my wife was working a lot. I was working a lot. And I remember meeting up with him for a coffee and just talking about, honestly, like goals. We were, it was like a meeting just to talk about goals. I really didn't have another guy in my life to just like walk through goals with. And so he proposed having a coffee meeting and he pulls this full focus planner out. And meanwhile, I have like my laptop out. I have like a pad of paper. I just have <laughs> stuff everywhere. And he's like, what, where, how are you keeping track of all this? And I'm like, honestly, I'm not. And I think this is part of my problem. I have ADD. I'm all over the place. I have ideas. I have goals over here that I look at when I set the goals. And then so much time probably goes by where I, I know I'm busy. Like I'm working hours. It's just the important things aren't getting done and I'm forgetting about it. And so he walked me through the first, the original version of the full focus planner. I remember it being a light bulb for me. And, it, and I started probably where most people do. I just, I bought the planner and I remember the day I, I figured out what day of the quarter it was. And I just started with the big three and I was like, Hmm, interesting. Like out of all this stuff, I got three things done today. What's going to be the most important. And I vividly remember telling my wife after a week of using it, I was like, it's so crazy because I'm a numbers guy. And I was like, I got three things done on day one, seven days into this, I got 21 important things done. And I already feel like I've made a huge leap in a week. And since then, it's been off to the races. And, and, and I will tell you guys, I'll be honest, as I always am on this podcast, there have been times over the last few years where, for whatever reason, even with my business that I run, I'm like, there's just too many things to keep track with. This thing is not keeping up with me. And I end up going back to a digital list or a digital app. And every time a day or two goes by and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? This is, this is why I needed this full focus planner in the first place. And then I ended up going back and adopting it. And it's amazing. And I'll be honest, this happened like a week ago where just like getting kicked off with the year and you guys coming on, I was like, you know, I'm going to do a test of two days of just putting the, my new full focus planner, even though it's brand new to the side and use my old thing. So I can have like a fresh perspective when I talk to them. Same thing, like absolute chaos, just <laughs> mentally frustrated, feel like I didn't make progress. So I definitely can validate all of that. Like as someone who, you know, is married, has a house, we have a one-year-old now, we have another one on the way. I run my own business. I have the podcast. There's just a lot of things. Um, where that goes to, and honestly, one of the most important questions I wanted to ask you both is, and this is going to sound probably really in the weeds from where we started this conversation, but the ones, I wouldn't even call it a struggle. I think I actually have a pretty good process, but for the average person that uses the full focus planner, obviously the planner itself is really meant to be, I call it like a guidepost and it's really meant to take all the noise and really simplify it down for you, whether that's weekly, daily, monthly, and then obviously your goals for the year and quarterly. Mm -hmm. Do you guys recommend like some sort of system outside of that as just like like where my head goes, I run a, an e-commerce agency. So I'm working with brands and, you know, every brand's got things I got to do every week and every month. And then there's the ad hoc things. There's a lot of things that either need, I need to do or be delegated plus just normal other things in life, right? There's just, there's probably a lot more than I realize on my to-do list. So what do you guys, what do you guys recommend to people who, you know, want to try the full focus planner or get into it? Like, do you have a, do you recommend a separate sort of tool or something else to like brain dump and keep all your tasks organized and then use the full focus planner on a daily. I'm just curious of that process for you guys as two people who obviously I'm sure use the planner. We're probably pretty different in this. I'm actually excited to hear dad, what you're going to say. Um, but on my side, first of all, I have a running list of things in my planner that I'm personally responsible for. 
However, and these are not things that are going to probably end up on my daily big three. You know, those are usually pretty straightforward and there's not like a giant backlog of those things because they're coming from my uh, weekly objectives that I've set, which are ultimately derivative of the goals I'm focused on for the quarter. You know, we recommend in the full focus planner that out of your list of eight or so goals for the year that you're not working on more than two to three at a time in a quarter because it becomes overwhelming. Um, but you're right. I mean, like right now I've, I've got a, a son who's 15 who wants to be recruited for college. I got to reach out to his football coach and research camps for the spring, you know, just all that kind of like life stuff. You know, I got to remember to pick this up at the house. I got to do something else. So those kind of things I'm just keeping in my planner and kind of a running list. But obviously, like you, we're running a business. We have people that report to us, you know, probably your listeners are either collaborating with other people or maybe they have people reporting to them or maybe they even own their own businesses. And in that case, um, our team uses Asana for more complex mm -hmm. project management. So there are things that, you know, maybe we're rolling out a new product in a couple months, which for example, we are. Well, that's too big to just be focused on in your planner. That involves a lot of different people and complex uh, coordination between those people. And so we, we would say in that case, Yes, a, a project management tool, if you have complex projects, could be useful. Um, the, the full focus planner is intended to be for one individual. It's not a collaborative, you know, analog tool in and of itself. Um, and we definitely recommend that you use a hybrid system where your calendar, you're keeping your calendar in a digital format like Google Calendar because that's way too dynamic to keep just in your planner. And it wasn't really designed for that. You know, what you would do on your daily pages is pull here. For example, I have um, in my full focus planner for today, you know, right. I have our, our interview here with you. And then we have another podcast of our, our own podcast that we're interviewing somebody on here in a, a couple of hours. And so like those things I pulled from my calendar today, but I got to check that every day because it might've changed from the day before, you know, our kids are right. out of school today. So nobody's doing the school run, for example. So sure. that, yeah, yeah. that's how I do it on my side and how we do it as a company. But um, my dad may have another perspective on how he does it. No, I think that's the basic idea. I do recommend a hybrid system for most people. If you can get away with totally analog, like Megan's doing, I think that's fantastic. It simplifies your life. But for me, everything is too dynamic. So when I say mm -hmm. hybrid, I use Google Calendar for all my events and for all my appointments and for any time blocking or whatever. And then I also have inside of Notion, my project and task list. So I love Notion as a tool. I'm a Notion geek and I've built out a system that I really love, but basically that's my brain dump. So if I think of a task that needs to be done, then I dump it in there. Now, if I'm away from my computer, I have a dedicated page inside of my full focus planner where I can write that down, but that's just a temporary holding place till I get back to my computer because I want to dump it into that master task list. Mm -hmm. And then every morning as I'm, you know, building my day or basically designing my day, what I do is I pull down the appointments, like Megan was saying, from Google Calendar. And it and it really does help me to rewrite those in my planner because then I can kind of Again, sort of mentally review, do I have everything I need for that meeting? Am I prepared for that meeting? Do I still want to do that meeting? Whatever. And then I also pull down the tasks that are relevant to today. And so when I do the daily big three, I'm looking for three important tasks. Sometimes they're urgent and important, but the requirement is that for the big three, they have to be important. And so, you know, that's in relationship to my goals, in relationship to the projects, in relationship to the work that Megan has assigned to me as the CEO. So, uh, so yeah, those, that's how my big three gets populated on a daily basis. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I use a Google Sheet right now that's mm -hmm. probably a little chaotic, but it's like my brain on yep. paper. Notion is one that I've yep. wanted to, I definitely have been thinking about. I've heard so many amazing things about Notion. I've never taken the time to dive into it or learn. Um, but that makes Apple sense. Apple Notes I mean, is great too. You know, as a, just a brain dump place. I love Apple Notes because you can uh, you can coordinate, you know, with other people or collaborate rather. And like I do that with my kids for their chore list. I did this morning before I came to the office. You know, I'm, up, I'm updating their chore list in Apple Notes, and then they can check stuff off, and I can see it. And I really, really love reminders. That as a parent. Reminders is another good, simple option too. It's all the time. That's awesome. Things into the lights yet. So I need to like turn the lights off outside by the garage. Like just the reminders is things I want to be like senseless, my, like mindless yep. things. It's like, oh yeah, go do that really quick. 
And then the notes app, yeah, me and my wife use the notes app together. And then I'm just mm -hmm. an Excel guy. So Google sheets for me has always been, yep. I can like mm -hmm. color code things I'm waiting on and just that kind of stuff. I really like that though. Um, another tactical question, cause I think for people who dive into this, these will probably be, you know, simple things that, that they run into as well for me. And, and you'll probably, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that I already know part of this answer. You'll say, this is just a bad habit. I need to change. I have a tendency to set my big three. So like, I'll, I'll go through the morning, kind of do the same thing. Both of you do. I'll set my big three. And there's a lot of days where whether it's true or not, I'm like, well, these are my big three, but really I have like seven things that like have to get done and they're important today. Part of me is like, okay, that probably means I need to delegate more to some degree. Like I'm just, oh, maybe I'm owning too many processes. But then part two, what ends up happening is you'll look at my full focus planner in the morning and then you'll look at it later in the day and like below the big three, I've starred seven things that are like also a priority <laughs> task. Do you guys have any, I'm sure you've heard that before, but do you, I mean, is there any, there's probably not a perfect solution. There's going to be days like that. But I know for me, like my process currently feels like I star a lot below. And then at the end of the day, I didn't get through all the stars. So I'm moving a bunch to the next day. And so I'm trying to get out of that process of like overwhelming myself on any day. Cause I, I have a tendency to like fill up a lot of the bottom section with tasks. And when I take a step back, I'm do. like, well, yeah, it's like, I'm like, oh, I can get all this done and you never can. And never I've tried can. to do some time blocking on calendars. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done, definitely spent a lot of time recently trying to do that. Cause that's an eye opener for anyone who's listening to is you put all these things on your full focus planner and then you stop and realize, well, hold on two of these big three things are going to take most of the free time I have between meetings today. Like I probably won't be able to get to these other things, but sorry, that was a little bit of a ramble. Any, any thoughts on that? I'm sure you've dealt with that or have gotten that question before. I, I don't know anybody who struggles with this, Shane. I mean, not, <laughs> not even one person, especially no one on this call with the last name of Hyatt. <laughs> I would just raise both of my hands to that. You know, they say you, you, uh, create the solutions you need for yourself. So that I think we can both relate to that. True. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to that, I think first of all, you're not wrong in how you're doing it. I usually have some other tasks that are below the daily big three as well. But I force myself to choose. So like yesterday, I legitimately had four things that could have been my big four instead of my big three. But I've learned over the years to discipline myself, to force myself to pick three. So if one of these things doesn't get done, which one isn't going to get done? And so that goes in the other task. Now, the truth is I got them all done. In fact, I got all four of those done, plus a couple of other things that were my other task list. We had a snow day yesterday. It was, of course, a holiday. And that just, I was uber uh, productive yesterday. I got caught up on a bunch of things. So I think the discipline of forcing yourself to pick three and when possible, and I can't always do this because of meetings, but if I can get those big three done by noon, mm. and that's, I'm always racing it. You know how, like when you set your GPS in your car and it says that you're going to get there at a certain time and oh, yes. you're like trying to beat it. This is my wife. She always yeah. takes five <laughs> minutes off. I'm like, it's not how that works. Well, this, this, this is how I am too. And so like in the big three, if I can get them done by noon, then the whole afternoon is like bonus time. If I get anything mm. accomplished. It's an add-on. So I, I kind of like playing that game every day. I like that. So I've actually been thinking a lot about this lately, and it's, it's made me think, is there a world, it doesn't seem like it would ever real, really happen, but where I have no meetings until afternoon. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at my full focus planner and I think about that process, Michael and Megan, th this, is, this is something where I know personally my brain fires the best from early morning till probably noon. And then honestly, I'm better at me like too. conversing in the afternoon, mm -hmm. right? Like I, like if I needed to be like headphones in getting like serious mental work done, it's, I tend to end up it's it, it, lately just with a lot going on, a lot of meetings, it's been happening in the evening, like after the, mm -hmm. the my son's down and me and my wife kind of crank through a few things. And I've started to realize I'm like, man, maybe I should just try to pivot meetings because I'm sure everyone feels like they have productivity hours, but that's a yeah. good one. That's a good one to just try to like focus. Do you then Michael, do you, do you kind of try to time block like with your calendar? If you're like, Hey, you know, these big three you things know, like my assistant does so that he knows how long tasks are going to take, but th th okay, this is just me. True confession. I hate time blocking Okay, because I'm super spontaneous and I'm kind of like of the three things I put them, you know, one, two, three, but I never hardly ever approach them that way. It's like, what do I want to do now? And so I take on one of the big three, but I like the flexibility of that. 
And, you know, if it was just left to myself, I would put the tasks that have to get done that day and I would figure it out as I go. But mm -hmm. honestly, some days are so busy that all I can have is a big one or a big two. And that's fine. Well, all we're saying is no more than three because that forces you to choose. But mm. one of the things I want to say, Shane, with regard to your calendar that you could do with an ideal week, which is another concept I teach in Free to Focus, and that is you could literally block out that time in the morning and you could say to yourself or an assistant, if you have one, you know, I don't take, I don't take meetings in the morning. Or maybe I don't take meetings in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but Tuesday and Thursday are my day for meetings in the morning. But mm. you, could, you could create that. And when somebody requests, you know, a time slot in the morning, you could just say, you know, I can't do it. I have another commitment. And the commitment is to you. Right. But that, that's fine. That's a good, that's a really good one. Yeah. We've instilled, we've tried. It's, it's like hit or miss. We do like no meeting Thursdays because yeah, we, we feel like by Thursday, there's enough that needs to be built up and done for the following week that that's really helpful to kind of a release mm -hmm. valve that, you know, Thursday, yeah. we get big things done at our company. So that's kind of what we've, we've instilled. I like that a lot though. Um, just kind of forcing things in. Um, so interesting. So for you guys, and again, I, I dove right into the weeds because this stuff I just nerd out on and love. But if, if we back up to, to a little bit of the, the, the story of you guys getting into this, I would, I would love to ask you guys. So Michael, you, you mentioned the 10,000 copies. So basically, like you told your team, if you think we can do this, let's go forward with it. When you guys decided to move forward with it, I'm assuming there were a lot of conversations on how this thing should look. Are we comparing it to anything else that's currently out there? Can you guys kind of walk us through that zero to one, kind of just the beginning of the business side of, of full focus of just, because I'm assuming you have this concept, but actually getting this physical planner here in my hands, a lot had to happen in between there. So what, what was that process yeah. like? What were the iterations like? Do you guys remember the first couple of meetings, conversations, and, and maybe even like beta products? Absolutely. So there were conversations between our product team and with my dad at that point. And um, fortunately for us, we have this kind of collective uh, repository of publishing knowledge. So how to go make a planner is actually a very complicated thing. There are a lot of pieces and parts to it, certainly capital intensive. Um, although we did pre-orders at the beginning, which was helpful. So we got paid first and then we went and ordered the planners after that. That's so that smart. helped us at that, at the beginning when we weren't quite sure how successful it would be, we, we ended up, um, just blowing it out of the water, which was awesome. But we had a contact in the publishing world who now is on our team, who understands the physical production of a planner, how to pick all the materials, how to source ah. those materials, how to get them produced. You know, we have some things that are produced internationally. We have some things in our line that are produced domestically. And there, it's just very complex how you have to think about that. Really long lead times. And of course, we had to go through all the supply chain issues of 2020. Thankfully, that wasn't when we decided to launch our planner. So we we knew a lot by that point of how to manage it. There was a paper supply shortage or all, all kinds of things that we were managing. And so there's the the physical production part of it, but then there is the intellectual property development part of it, really the product mm -hmm. development part of it. And so Joel, who happens to be my husband, who's our chief product officer, comes out of the publishing world with my dad. They really collaborated on, okay, how do we translate the the concepts of goal achievement in your best year ever and the concepts of productivity from free to focus? How do we put those together and, and create this operating system. And so it really began um, with Joel and someone who was working with him at the time, kind of mocking up, kind of sketching out, here's how we think it could work. And then my dad giving his input on that. And I got to speak into it a little bit as well at that point. And, uh, and anyway, so, you know, we, we got to a place of this will be our, our version one of this. And then we've been very fortunate to have a huge Facebook community. We have uh, 30,000 plus people in a Facebook community who oh, are wow. full focus planner users. And that community heavily informed the product development process. So, you know, we're asking them, okay, what, what do you think we need? What do we need to change? Do you like this? Do you not like this? And so there was a lot of customer feedback from the very beginning that was really helpful. One of the cool things about our audience is they're a lot like you, Shane, you know, they're people who are passionate about the double win. They're passionate about goal achievement and productivity. And they were really eager and generous 
in their feedback so that mm. we were able to get a lot of information and iterate. And we're, I, I can't remember which, what version we're on now, but we have had many iterations of the planner over the years. And we just keep tweaking and keep making it better. And we're now at the point, you know, we're probably 10 at least versions in where we're asking ourselves the question, okay, what else could we do? What else could we optimize in this planner to make it even more impossible for people not to get the double win? You know, we, we want, we want to get people to that outcome of winning at work and succeeding at life, which we believe means that they're able to prioritize uh, all the domains of life, including professional, of course, but absolutely everything else as well. How can we do that? And so we have some more things that we're thinking about, but I think we've, We've done a good job of, and we want to continue to prioritize the ongoing development and optimization. I think that's a takeaway for people. It's not just you make something, it's successful in the market, and you just kind of leave it alone. We want to be challenging ourselves to continuously improve that so it's even more and more effective for people, including ourselves, because you know we're we're like the the prime users of it. Sure. Well, it's cool that you guys have a you know it's something that you are all are using, and so I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys have internal dialogue all the time Absolutely. about. Ah, this is a struggle, or this is something I wish was different, and and you can yep. just apply it, which is awesome. We and we sometimes fight over it, you know, because uh, the best things come out of vigorous debate. But one of the things I was going to say is that I'm a perfectionist, and left to myself, I would never ship anything. Mm. But as a team, we don't labor under the burden of perfectionism. So as a team, kind of our philosophy is if we can get something to about 85% of what we think it could be, that's good enough. Because we'll never get the other 15% until we actually get feedback from the marketplace. So we want to ship it at 85%, get feedback. So we shift, ship that first one. And I, I, would, I, I was kind of embarrassed by it. I mean, just from a design oh. perspective, it was really ugly. And so as I want to do from time to time, though I shouldn't do it, um, I decided on the second version that I was going to personally design the whole thing. So I, I went in and in InDesign, which is the program, and again, I come from a publishing background, so a lot of these tools are familiar to me. So I literally rebuilt the whole thing, redesigned the whole thing from the ground up because I thought, okay, you guys proved to me that it's going to work. Now what I want to do is make it really beautiful and make it really like I would have done it if I'd had unlimited time and been able to be perfectionistic at the beginning. And then ah. since that time, I turned it back over to the team and they improved the design uh, from there. But but sometimes that's how things get done. We've got another major product that's going right now that I designed the prototype. And sometimes I just, I, I just go, this should be delegated, but it's kind of how I think. You know, I think in, in terms of both content and the design, and I can't think very well without the design being a component. So, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes create the prototype and then hand it off to the professionals to tweak it. Very cool. I mean, what a fun process. Is it, what's it been it like, this is going to be a, a direct question. What's it been like working with each other as, as, as father and daughter? It is super fun. We get asked this question a lot and we actually do uh, kind of on the side, we do some succession coaching, not exclusively with family businesses that are going from founder to uh, you know, a child, adult child who's taking over as CEO, but um, we feel like it's gone really well in our context. And so we are excited to have the opportunity to teach other people what we've learned and hopefully eliminate some of that risk for people. But, um, you know, we often say to people when they ask, because I think people are idealistic and they're, they're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to do that. My daughter's six years old. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like if when she's an adult, we could do something like that. <laughs> and and the truth is, it is awesome. If you have a great relationship, it will That's be great. Key. You know, whatever your relationship is, it's going to be more of that. So if you have a lot of conflict, if you think really differently in a way that isn't complimentary, I, I mean, just run, just love each other and don't ever go into business together. You know, in our case, we have a lot in common. Our communication styles work really well together. Um, we know when we're kind of putting on that hat that's like, father, daughter versus founder, CEO versus business partner. You know, it's kind of like, we'll say, okay, wait, which hat, which hat are we in today? Okay. Today oh, that's we're, smart. We're, we're having a business partner conversation or today we're having a founder CEO conversation or today I just need to talk to my dad, you know, and yeah. I have practice with this with my husband too, because sometimes it's like, okay, 
are we, are, am I talking to my husband right now? Or am I talking to one of my executives? You know, how, how does that work? And I think that can be a useful way of thinking about it is that you have different roles within the overarching relationship that you kind of have to toggle between. And of course, it's not totally clean between those things. I mean, they kind of bleed together, but um, we have a lot of fun and we've been doing this now um, since 2012. So we have more than oh, a decade wow. under our yeah. belts of working together. And actually, funny story, my very first business trip with my dad, I'm the oldest of five girls, was when I was eight years old. And I went with him to a publishing trade show in Texas. And I got to sit in meetings and I had like my little dress and my little socks that folded over with the little lace, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. If you were an 80s kid, I mean, you know, you saw him, probably have a picture in him. And I, you know, I got to learn how to listen and shake people's hand and look them in the eye. And it was just a, it was a neat thing. So in a way, looking back though, it was not our plan from the time I was eight years old by any means. It all kind of worked together to call. Yeah. yeah, I was say, it was Michael's plan. secret plan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's been really That's fun. Awesome. He's, I, he did a little brainwashing early on. Yeah. Right. That's right. I, I think another thing that, that we've done well, and for people that are contemplating this, you know, working with family members, I think you really have to have very clear boundaries mm-hmm. and really respect those. Mm. So where succession goes wrong is when the original founder or the CEO doesn't respect the boundaries of the new CEO or the new leader. And so I was on the receiving end of a botched succession and my predecessor just totally blew it. You know, he did Hmm. great right up until he handed uh, me the keys to the kingdom and we were a publicly held company. I was voted unanimously by the board to do the new CEO I was nominated by and recommended by my predecessor. But once I became the CEO, unfortunately for him, he had been the CEO of this company for 50 years. He didn't have a plan for after being a CEO. Uh. And so all of a sudden that destabilized him and he freaked out and he tried to unseat me. And for two years, he tried to get me out of that position. And uh, so I thought, you know, that's not the way to do it. And you yeah, got to respect yeah. boundaries. Well, and I'm sure having that experience probably created a whole different dynamic for you too, right? Like I'm assuming living through that life lesson that was like, okay, I know that's not what I want to do here at, at Full Focus. And, and if we go back even a little further, I, I, I think what's really interesting for you guys, and I, I heard bits of it as I was asking some questions, but it sounded like it, it wasn't like this idea for the Full Focus Planner was this like, everyone's like, oh, this is a, you know, a million billion dollar idea. Let's all spend all mm-hmm. of our time on it. Let's go fast forward. It was very scrappy. It sounded like, like the thought, mm-hmm. and I love to dive into the little details of this because it sounded like you guys said you did pre-order. So you didn't have to put a bunch of capital into the initial right. one. You limited the run size to see like, Hey, let's get an MVP out there, a minimal viable product and just see if people like it. Um, did both of you and I, don't, I apologize, I don't know the, the perfect timeline of, of Megan when you came in, but for, for Michael, when you guys did all of this and, and when Megan, you did come in, for that first initial run, was, there, was it kind of like a, for lack of better words, a side hustle? Was it like, hey, this is just a good idea that we're going to test the waters and see if it yeah. works and maybe it'll bloom into something? I, I think we hoped that it would do well, for sure. But one of the things I've, I've realized over the years, and this is a great tip for business people, is what I think is going to work doesn't necessarily correlate to what will work. So, Mm. you know, I learned this in the very beginning because I started out as a blogger in 2004. That was my original side hustle. I was the CEO of a publishing company, but I started blogging and I would write blog posts and I thought I'd I'd finish it up. I'd go, this is going to go viral. This is amazing. People are going to love this. And I publish it and it's like crickets. And then there were others that I just like, I was in a big hurry and I had to throw something together and I posted it and it crushed. And so the things that I think are going to work don't always work. And and in fact, I've had enough failure now over my lifetime that I'm always a little bit surprised and delighted when things do work. Okay. So it's kind of like, like not expecting them to work. And then if they do, it's a, it's a big, big Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be enough confidence that it's going to work that you're going to invest the time and the money. Right, sure. Or, but, but, but beyond that, I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest. Most things that you do in business kind of work. 
Mm-hmm. Very few things are a huge hit. Like we were just reading the history and we were talking before we, we got on the show here about Stanley Cups. Ah, yeah, yeah. So that company rocked along. Rocking and Megan, it, Megan you probably got know one. the history of this better than I do. For sure, Marissa does, who is the youngest daughter of my brood and is our director of marketing. But the way that worked, I think that company just rocked along. I don't know, it was doing, what was $100 million a year, which is, you know, not a small thing. But then something happened and it went viral. And I think this mm-hmm. last year they did almost a billion dollars worth of Stanley Cups. And I think it was yeah. because some influencer got a hold of it and made it cool. And then all yeah. of a sudden everybody had to have one. Well, it's amazing because that story, it was an Instagram account called the Buy Guide, B-U-Y Guide. And they're basically a shopping account that, you know, they're making recommendations of things that they love. And Stanley, for anybody who's old enough to remember um, kind of what they were pre this, you know, these things are on Target and they're selling out everywhere and all that. They were basically a company that marketed to men in the trades Mm -hmm. who are, you know, taking their lunch up on a crane, you know, somewhere over a city and they need to keep their soup warm or something. I mean, it was like, wasn't it like the huge big handled? Yeah. Or like their coffee, you know, think of like, like New York construction workers taking their coffee out to the job site, you know, like that's who they were talking to. And then this, this, um, these couple of women that run the buy guide, they got excited about these cups with the handles, you know, that I showed a second ago. Yeah. And they started marketing it and their audience is almost exclusively women. And so Stanley did uh, a limited run of these cups. I mean, it's such a great e-com story because the buy guy doesn't make products. You know, they basically sure. found somebody who was willing to make a product that they repped. And I'm sure they got a great commission. It's been super successful for them as well. But they they introduced this product to a brand new market, which are women. And so it's a fascinating story of a pivot from this 100-year-old company marketing exclusively to men to going to women and realizing, oh my gosh, whatever we thought we were doing with the guy with the coffee and the the thermos, I mean, these these moms and moms and dads now, you know, are just going crazy over these cups that they can put in their car and take their water with them everywhere. What? Yeah, what a wild story. I, know. I come from f- food and beverage. And so yeah. that story is something I've known a little bit about. The other one that's similar is Celsius. I don't know if you guys have heard of like yes. the energy drink. Oh, they were yeah. kind of the same thing. They were a cost. They were in Costco. They had really old packaging that was very um, kind of the same thing. It was like more pivoted to men, and then they just remarketed the product. I mean, I I came from. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. I I worked at RX Bar. That was like the food company yes. I worked at for a long time. Same thing, right? I mean, those guys were. They're. I, I wish I had a picture of the old, the original packaging. It was like made in PowerPoint. It was on like brown <laughs> paper backing, and then I they did this remarketing. That. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes. So, I mean, when they relaunched the new packaging, it did everything. So that's that a good point. So for, for you guys with full focus, then that that's kind of spins into another question I've always wondered is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are not too far off of me where it was really word of mouth. I had actually never seen you guys, never heard of you guys. And a friend who I trusted was like, hey, this works. I use this. You should give it a shot. I'm sure that happens quite a bit. Um, and then it's funny, the more I've gotten involved with the brand now, I obviously see all the marketing on social media and everywhere else. And it's fantastic. How, when you guys kicked it off, how did, how did that all start? Like the zero to one of that, I always find is very interesting mm-hmm. with publishing and books and planners. Like, yeah, where do you start? Uh, Same thing with like the Stanley story where they tested and tweaked. Like where, where did you guys start with full focus? Who were you talking to? Well, it certainly wasn't marketing uh, outside of our own audience. You know, one of the things that we had done that really was our business prior to launching the full focus planner were digital products. So we were selling courses. We still sell courses um, and all all kinds of things digitally. And one of the marketing strategies that goes along with that typically, and was very emphasized, especially at that time um, was building an email list. So we had a big email list that we had been building over time. Um, We have about half a million people on our list at this point. And I don't know what it was back then. It was probably half of that, but still we had a lot of people on our list. And so we were not running Facebook ads or, you know, doing a podcast tour or anything like there was none of that going on. It was really directly to our own email list that we made that offer for pre-orders. And part of that, and I think this is a good lesson. Um, if you're an e-com listening to this, the people that are likely going to be willing to invest in something like a pre-order are going to be people who already know and trust you. These are That's not right. probably going to be 
you know, as my teenagers would say, randos, like these are, these are going to be people that, that already know you, they already trust you. They already buy into whatever your methodology is. And consequently, they're going to be willing to give you, I think we were charging like $40 or something at that point, you know, for mm-hmm. planner. they're going to be willing to give you their $40 two months before you can deliver something to them because of that. And it also means your customer acquisition costs are like zero because you're not paying. Sure. There's no paid advertising. This is all, these are all warm leads that you're talking to. Um, and I think that's very helpful. One of the e-com brands that I love is Barefaced, which is a women's skincare brand. A woman okay. named Jordan Harper runs that and um, she owns it uh, as far as I know, exclusively. And she launched a, one, a new skincare product that was a pre-order just like we did with the Full Focus Planner. And it seems to have been phenomenally successful but she's very good about developing her relationship with her audience. So when she launches something, people want it. Now she's doing that much more through social media than mm-hmm. we were. You know, the, the changes that have happened since 2017 are pretty dramatic uh, in right. terms of how people buy and are influenced on social. But I, I think that, that that made it a low risk venture for us. You know, if we had spent a whole bunch of money on Facebook ads, which is what we would do now, but we, you know, at that point, we, it was an unproven product. And so it was a very uh, low risk, likely to succeed strategy for us. And it really worked. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, we, as we moved out of sort of that warm audience and went to more cold audiences, people that didn't know us, we had to buy Facebook ads. And so that was a whole learning curve. And um, I would say that's the kind of business where you're learning every day. Mm-hmm. But we spend a couple million dollars a year on Facebook ads going to cold, pretty much cold traffic. And there are people that are coming into our brand that that's their point of entry. They've never heard of us. They don't know us. Never read one of my books. Never read one of our books. They're just buying the planner because it showed up on their Facebook page. And they thought, why not? I'm going to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, that transition. And, and, and honestly, it's interesting. Ti- timing's everything, right? With mm-hmm. business. And, and when you guys launched, and if you, if you launched the exact same product today, how different the launch would, like just the strategy yes, probably would look. Totally. And, and to give you guys a little context, so my business, we basically RX Bar, me and my my co-founder, we led e-commerce at RX Bar, and so now we do that for other brands. Basically, mm. most of it's Amazon related. So mm. for you guys, has it always been D to C, like really your own website focused? Have you guys tried to push out to other platforms? I know you're on Amazon, but do mm-hmm. you, have you guys really tried leaning into Amazon? Do you do much retail? Like where where can people find the Full Focus Planner today? I, obviously, besides your website. Well, the website is the best place. Okay. Amazon um, can be good because you get It's more expensive it. there. What's that, Maggie? It's more expensive on Amazon. Yeah, it's more expensive on deal. Amazon. So yeah. the cheapest place to get it is at fullfocusplanner.com. Uh, but we've had it selectively in a few retailers like Anthropology hmm. and maybe a few others. But the truth is, I, I don't like selling to retail. And forgive me if you're listening to this and you're a retail retailer. But the thing I don't like about it, and again, this comes from three decades of publishing experience, you get paid really slowly and everything's fully returnable. So people said, oh, you should sell on on Target. Well, I don't like waiting 90 to 120 days to get paid. And I, I think that, that frankly, from my perspective, it commoditizes the planner in a way that I don't want to do. It's not a value purchase. It's not exactly a luxury purchase, but it's definitely a premium purchase. And so I'm, I'm not really interested in selling through conventional retail. Specialty mm-hmm. retail, in some cases, yes. You know, like a stationary shop, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and that's the other place we've been is um, the paper source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah well, it makes a ton of sense. I, I was honestly, I was, I was assuming that was your answer because I've seen from at least a food and beverage perspective, the same kind of outcomes that can come with mass retail. And I would assume for you guys, and it makes total sense. Like, obviously I, I know the, the background and the story and the why behind the full focus planner, probably more than, than most people listening. But if the full focus planner was next to any other planner or, you know, a regular notebook at a target, I could totally see how like for the consumer to really understand what they're grabbing and why, why they're paying for it. That would be a leap. I would assume, like I would assume that would probably be pretty tough. Yeah. I think that's right. We definitely have been intentional with advertising on Amazon because a lot of us, myself included, 
you know, that's a big point of discoverability for stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about a planner or something, you might go search there. It's almost like you're using that as a search engine um, right. as well as Google, you know, so those are really Google, um, Meta or Facebook and Amazon are the primary places we're doing paid advertising. Uh, but then we're also moving into some other social strategies, including ManyChat that uh, has been very successful using DMs and Instagram to have hmm. a more personal interaction. Um, it's turned out to be fantastically successful for e-com, for um, digital products, businesses, services, all kinds of things. And so that's a really new emerging strategy that we're testing and investing a lot in this year. Um, I, I think that one of the things that we have found with a, a physical product, so we've always had this juxtaposition of digital products, the physical suite of products around the full focus planner, and then we've had some service or coaching type components to our business as well. And Interestingly, after COVID, the desire that people have for physical products, for really human interaction, seems to have increased dramatically. And so I think these marketing strategies around more personal interactions, you know, where people feel like they're not just getting a generic email, where it feels like you're going back and forth with them, or you are going back and forth with them in Instagram or, or another platform are attractive to people. I think we've realized how important human connection is and how how humanizing physical products are. I think that's going to be a big trend in the years to come are, you know, yeah, there are digital products and that's a there's a lot of benefits to digital products, but e-com I think is a great place to be. You know, we we've decided to really double down in that in terms of investing for the future and while there've never been more digital productivity tools, we feel like it's never been a better time you know, Shane, as you said, to use a physical something that one is a pleasure to use, but also helps to minimize just the incredible amount of distractions and the overwhelm oh, yeah. that comes from a digital space. Because I mean, it's just, it's just an onslaught all the time. Yep. And I think in a world where we have so many choices and options, we need things to get quiet so we can focus on what really matters. So we can even know what really matters because the noise has to come down for that to happen. I, I always tell people who ask me, why I keep, you know, paying for a planner, using a planner. Like there's so many digital options. And I, mm -hmm. the best way I describe it is like, you know, okay, in my home office here, it's like, I have two big screens. I have Slack email, my phone's ringing, texts are coming in. It's just like, there's so much all the time. So I've found over time that having another tab with all the things I got to do just gets lost mm -hmm. in the noise. Yep. Right. This, this physical planner is such a grounding mechanism to me. I mean, yeah, I probably, I'm sure you feel the same way. I bet I look at this thing a thousand times a day. Like it's just always open, but I'm always glad. It's funny. It's like a weird, yeah. I'm just always looking at it. And like, it's almost like a check-in of like, nope, stay on task. You don't need to answer that email. You don't need to respond immediately. Yeah. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's kind of it's a so cue true. to you to like, okay, wait, come back. It's sort of like when you're um, doing mindfulness or something and you know, you focus on your breath. And that yeah. helps you to come back into the present. It's like when I have my full focus planner out on my desk, which I do all the time, or I have it at home next to the place that I sit in my living room, it, it's like a mindfulness practice that says, oh, wait, remember, you already decided what's important today. All those yes. things that in the last hour that have come up that feel really urgent and important, you made a decision in the quiet early morning hours about what matters most today that honors your highest priorities, your highest and best contribution. And let's come back and remember what those are. Because I'm going to tell you, honestly, probably 10 times a day, I get distracted and I, I get in the haze of, you know, I open Slack, like you just said, Shane, and somebody <laughs> needs something from me right now, or there's some fire that needs to be put out or whatever. And I get disoriented. And so when I pick up this planner, it's like, oh, it's, it's orienting. It's reorienting me to what is more important than the urgent things, what really matters. And it, it just helps to bring me back to what I need to be focused on right now. I love that. And I, I, I totally feel that on a daily basis. Do you guys feel like, you know, one of the last things kind of tied the, the use of the planner together on the podcast today, do you guys feel like it, it's a guiding post, like we just said, and, and it allows you to kind of stay on task with what's, what's important. Do you feel like for better or for worse, that also makes you as a leader are you less available? Maybe is that the right, I'm mean, trying to think of the right word to use, like it, it, less reactive. Like I, there's some types of people who you can tell they're just like reacting to every email, every Slack, mm -hmm. everything all day, every day. And I always wonder 
if you're that way, there's no way you're getting big, important things done. There's just no way. I, I'm well, starting to learn that as a leader. Yeah. And the reason for that is because with everything you do, you're training your brain. And so Megan and I, our most recent book is called Mind Your Mindset. And we wrote it really about sort of brain science and how that impacts productivity and the results that we get in life. And so that everything you do, like if you're constantly in a digital environment, checking your phone all the time, checking your calendar, checking your you know project list and all that, and, and some of that's certainly necessary. But if that's all you're doing all the time, you're training your brain to be reactive. And so I think you've got to be intentional about training your brain to be proactive. And so, for example, one of the things we recommend uh, in the Full Focus Planner, and I talk about it at greater length in Free to Focus, is this idea of these four fundamental daily rituals. So a morning ritual, a workday startup ritual, a workday shutdown ritual, and then an evening ritual. Well, those two workday rituals are basically a way to be proactive and to kind of segregate your checking of social media, for example, as part of your workday startup ritual so that you don't have to keep checking, you know, a hundred times through, through the, throughout the day. And then I check it, you know, before I uh, stop the day and, and transition into the evening. So yeah, you gotta be intentional about that. I think otherwise your, your brain is um, in danger of being kidnapped. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So for you guys, are you guys both pretty good about when the end of the workday comes, like truly being shut off? I know myself mm -hmm. as a co-founder, like I've kind of gotten into a habit and I, I make my calendar look this way. Like I have at five o'clock, like I get off and it's like family time until my son goes to bed. But then I do go back into work and I like have to get through things that just need to get done. But I've been thinking and, and honestly thinking about the checklist that you just talked about, Michael. I'm like, it, it sometimes feels counterintuitive because I like I kind of shut down and then I'm like restarting and then reshutting down. And it's hard mm -hmm. to like it's hard to pivot back and forth and then be a good husband. And that, you know what I mean? I'm sure you yeah. guys both yeah. deal with that. Yeah, I, I've definitely experienced that. You know, like I said, I have five kids. I have three still at home. So I have two adult children who've moved out, but then three at home, 15, 13 and four. And okay. What I appreciate about having kids at home is it's kind of like a, a governor, you know, like on a golf cart or something, you know, that doesn't yeah. allow you to go, you know, uh, dangerously fast. And the reality is that when I'm home, my kids expect me to be on. And I'm not saying I never work, you know, after, after work. There are occasionally, of course, like for all of us, there are times when I need to. But it is pretty rare because my daughter, our four-year-old gets up at you know, the same time we do, she wants to nuggle as she calls it. You know, she wants our full attention, sit on our lap, kind of hard to be on your laptop while that's happening. Um, right. and, and then the afternoon, you know, we're doing sports, we're picking kids up from school. Um, we're making dinner and doing homework and quizzing kids on flashcards and all that. And by the time they start going to bed at seven and, you know, eight, eight thirty or whatever, there's not really anything left. I mean, I, I think sure. that it's very important if you're going to be really productive and you're really going to accomplish what matters most, it starts the night before. It's not just about what you do in the morning. I mean, a lot of people have a good morning ritual or they have an idea of what they want to do to kind of kick off the day, but they don't think about how the evening impacts that. And if you don't have mm -hmm. any time to yourself to wind down, if you work from, let's say, 7.30 to 9.30, well, not a lot of people can just go right to bed after that, you know, right. because you're mm -hmm. kind of keyed up. You feel like you want to watch a show or take a bath or I don't know, what, whatever it is that you do, read a book. And so then you end up staying up for another hour, maybe two hours, because especially if you're a parent, you've had no time to yourself all day and you right. really want that. And before you know it, it's 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night and you've got to be up at five or six the next day and then you're not sleeping well and nothing will undermine your productivity or your ability to get the double win, to win at work and succeed at life, like not having that evening thing. So, you know, what I would encourage my clients to do who are all, you know, CEOs and ambitious and, and so forth is you've got to decide what is your end time for work. And then you've got to hold yourself to it, except when there are real emergencies, because a lot of times the emergencies are, and I'm speaking for myself, it's when I'm dishonest with myself, not usually consciously, but I'm dishonest about how long things are going to take. And so instead of a big three, I, it's like I put a weekly big three objectives or outcomes as my daily big three tasks. And I thought I could mm -hmm. get a week's worth of stuff done in one day. Like this happened to me yesterday when all my kids were home at school. I had a, a moment of, I thought, 
oh, I'm going to get all this stuff done. This is, I'm going to get so much done today. Even though I had no childcare and a four-year-old and you know, there's no <laughs> outside and the kids wanted to be outside. Like, I don't know what I was thinking in that moment. Sure. Yeah. And, and it was just like, okay, you know what? This is not, this is not realistic for what was happening in this day. And if I tried to make all that up last night, I wouldn't have gone to bed till one in the morning. And so I, mm -hmm. I think just setting that firm boundary of whatever time it is, and then holding yourself accountable to that, it'll actually cause you to make better choices about how you spend your time during the day, because you won't have the kind of escape hatch of later that night that you can push stuff to. It's like, no, I got to make a choice right now. Am I going to check Facebook at 2.30 afternoon, this afternoon, or am I going to take this phone call that just popped up from, you know, some, some guy I know from this mastermind I was in? Or am I going to buckle down and knock out this last of my big three? Because I know I got to get my kids at school at 3.15 and that's love it that. for the day. And that's a real, that's a real life example of what we it all is. deal with. So I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, Michael, Megan, I know we're, we're out of time. So I want to be conscious of, of your guys' time. And I can't thank you both enough for both coming on the podcast. This has been an absolute pleasure for me. Uh, I feel like I learned so much today. And, and obviously... As a follow-up, I'll add links to the Full Focus Planner, to your books. We'll have everything in there for folks who are listening today. Um, for one last thing as a sign-off, the most important I just want to make sure we, we save time for is, is how can people find the Full Focus Planner? How can they follow you too? How can they get a hold of your content, your books, all that fun stuff so that people can, can learn a lot after this podcast? Yeah, the best place to go is fullfocus.co, C-O, not com, but co, fullfocus.co. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Let's stay in touch. And um, I can't thank you enough for your time. You guys have changed changed my life for the better. I just want to say that one more time. Thank you for, for what you've created. And I uh, hope I can pass it on to at least a few folks today. Thanks, Thanks for, for your support, Shane. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs>